everybody, welcome to the sixth ever edition of the West Coast Preps Podcast. I am Chris Jackson, joined here by Gregory Morlantoon. We got a special guest, the great head football coach and mentor from Skyline High School, Joe Bates. Coach Bates, how you doing today, sir? I'm doing awesome, man. I'm 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 pumped up. I'm jacked about the opportunity to be on a podcast today, man. Um, uh, awesome opportunity, man, just to put out some uh, some thoughts and uh, some just general things that's going on in the city, in the school, in the district, in the Bay Area, man, from my perspective, and, and chat with you guys a little bit. Yeah, we're super happy to have you on. We've been waiting to have you on for a little bit now, so super excited. Right on. Yeah, we definitely are. Let's let's go back to your some of your early days when you back when you played at Skyline a little bit. Let's start off early in your career. What made you guys so good at Skyline, especially I think your senior year when you guys were one of the top programs in all of California? Yeah, man. Um, to be honest, uh, okay. So I, I my family uh, we grew up in um, an area, the seminary area of Oakland. Uh, grew up on 57th and Bancroft. And, you know, I grew up a Fremont Tigers in a sense because my brother, um, you know, went there. And, you know, that was our neighborhood school. But I got to playing football on, on the concrete, man, tackle football on the concrete. And, you know, I grew the, grew the passion of the game and the love and the toughness. And, you know, I wanted to be great. I wanted to be part of a great program. Initially, I don't know what sparked the interest, but I applied to uh, Bishop O'Dowd, uh, which is a, you know, you guys know O'Dowd, but, you know, the private school in Oakland um, that has a football program that's pretty good. Um, didn't get in, man. Um, I, I don't, I wasn't following directions. I remember over the intercom, they said, write your essay in cursive. And I was, I had already started the essay before getting the uh, <laughs> instructions and I did it in, in regular print. Um, I didn't get accepted, um, accepted. And, and I end up the next move was Skyline, man. I was like, man, that's the power to uh, East Bay or it's a state power. Uh, public school is no test to getting in there. I'm in there, baby. Um, so I got in. Um, and immediately it was, a, it, 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 the culture there was thick. The air was, was, was foggy air, um, you know, but it was, it, it, I came up there and, and then as soon as I stepped on that field, it was dirt field, dirt track. Um, they had a big hump in the middle of the field, but the, the aura around that, that, that facility was wild, man. The expectation, the guys were huge. Um, just kids that I never really seen in my neighborhood, like, you know, shape, you know, they were all buff and, and fast and aggressive and um, superstars in a sense, man. So um, you kind of had to blend in or blend or get out. You know what I mean? So um, I kind of just took to that freshman year and it was so much talent around me, like youth football, all stars. And um, I kind of just blended in. Um, ninth grade year, I was a reserve. Tenth grade year, I was a starting quarterback. Um, you know, kind of got my feet wet there. That's where I started making plays. 11th grade year, I got moved to, well, I got moved to varsity 10th grade year. That was the best team I've ever seen at Skyline in my four years, my 10th grade year. Giannis Davis, Frank Summers, Devon Best. Um, I think they signed like seven or eight guys, D1, um, that year. Um, and I think three of those guys went professional. Um, but they were 11-0-1. Um, I got moved up for the playoffs. Um, got my, I got an interception on varsity my first game um, against Oakland High. Um, and then we went to the Silver Bowl in the Oakland Coliseum and beat um, McClyman's like 47 to nothing um, in, in the Oakland Coliseum. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't go to state. We couldn't progress to state um, in the OAL back then, uh, which that would have been – we, we would have easily won state that year. Um, 11th grade, I, I was full-time on varsity, starting safety, had a bunch of injuries. Uh, Beam, you know, at the end of the year, he was like, you know what, I want you to move to corner. I was at safety. I want you to play corner. 
Um, so I said, all right, let me take this to the next level. It was recruiting year, you know, going in that 11th grade year, um, you're trying to go to camps. Well, I think Beam didn't really uh, push camps on us heavy when he was there. He didn't want us to go run a 40-yard dash and run a 4-8 and recruiters just take us off the board. He wanted us to prove ourselves on film with toughness and ability. And then when he had so much connection with colleges that they would come in and say, hey, or, and Beam would just say, hey, he's fast enough to get it done. And, um, you know, and they'd believe him. They trusted him. And a lot of us went to college and got it done. So he didn't want us to get um, judged with numbers and stuff like that. So he didn't really push camps on us uh, when he was coaching. Um, but I went. I went to LSU camp, and he gave me the green light. I went to LSU uh, with Nick Saban. He had just won a national championship. I think he had to share it with uh, USC that year for some reason. Um, share the national championship, but I went. Um, he was actually was Kirby Smart was the was the corners coach. Uh, I think Kirby, I, he's the head coach somewhere, but I think he's at Georgia. Um, Kirby was a corners coach. Nick Saban's a corner coach at heart. Um, so it was four of us: a guy from Texas, it was two from Georgia, and it was one from Louisiana. Man, and then uh, and then it was myself. And, uh, man, I went out there and got first-team all-camp member. And, uh, you know, everybody that was there outside of me had offers already to LSU. So that was a big confidence builder for me. And then uh, on the plane coming back, I got a phone call from one of my best friends. He was like, hey, man, Coach Beam just quit. Um, he just quit in the locker room. Uh, or he brought us on the locker room. And he, just, he just resigned and said he was gonna, it was a family move, family decision. And he was going over to Laney College. So. And coming back, that kind of threw me threw me off my senior year a little bit. Like, damn, our leader. So everybody was on the phone. Hey, I'm going to Mac. I'm going to Mac. I'm going to Mac. Because Coach Carter, there's a story behind this, a short story. Uh, Coach Carter was the, the next school up, next school that was like, he yeah, was on our tail a little bit. Uh, of course, we lost to Marshawn Lynch and the Silver Bowl in the Coliseum my junior year. When I, the year I had all the injuries. But they lost everybody that year. We weren't worried about Tech. McClymonds had all the transfers in from Berkeley, from Richmond and they, they were loaded with four or five star recruits. Um, so that was the next move. All right, we're gonna beams going, we're going to Mac. Um, so everyone ended up staying. We got together and was like, man, we've been we've been embedded in this skyline Titan Pride, man. Um, let's get it done for Coach Beam. Um, and let's take on Coach Kevin Evans as our new head coach and, and give him something to be proud of, man. Let's get him a silver bowl. So that's the year we went in and played uh we played Sarah, we lost it in by a touchdown. Um, Will Powers was there. He went to Stanford. That was a big name they had that year. Um, I ran like a 60-some yard. It was like 12 to, 12 to like 18. We lost to them. Um, we lost to Foothill. We lost to Foothill by one touchdown. I was sick. Um, so we lost to them by one touchdown. And then we lost to McClymouth by six points at home um, during the regular season. So that was our three losses. We had nine wins. Of course, we went on to beat McClymonds in the Silver Bowl, like 12 to 13 or something like that at uh, one point. And, um, yeah, set our legacy, man, set our set our standard. Unfortunately, they weren't able to follow, man. Um, that was the last year that we won it. They went, like, I think since I left, they went, like, four times, including – three times, three times, including the time we went last year. So that was pretty much how, how it happened, man. We had a couple guys, Monte Brown, Shea McIntyre, myself, uh, Logan Uu, who uh, played at uh, Minnesota. Uh, we had some big-time guys on that team, man. So, uh, the McClymonds had all the, the five-star, four-star guys. But that's how that happened, man. That's how it happened. Awesome. And you kind of talked about the uh, – uh, sorry. You talked about the camp that you went to with Saban. And then 
Was that the time that you knew that you were going to be a college player, or was there a moment for that? Um, that, that was the time that I got the confidence that I could compete with anybody in the nation. Um, there were stars everywhere. There were offers for SEC national championship teams, and I was semi-dominant in that camp versus some of the receivers that we were going against. Um, the athleticism was, was similar. Um, it just – that gave me the confidence to come back. Because even Marshawn, man, he'd pop up with Verdell Larkins, which is Tech's head coach now. That was, you know, cousin. they pop up the skyline. It, it, it was like – they were already signed to Cal by then. But, you know, the whispers, like, oh, that's the cat that went to LSU. Or that's the guy that went to LSU. So, like, they were all kind of looking at me. Um, like, man, he got to have some type of juice if he went there and showed out. So, um, I did get confidence there. Um, but at the same time, it was a – I took so much pride at Skyline, man. Like, nobody was better than us. We could have lined up against De La Salle, um, and we're we're better than them. You know, if we start losing, then, then something's not right. Somebody's energy is not low. Somebody's not playing to, to the, at the Titan level um, that we know. So I was just so confident versus anybody. Anybody we lined up against, man, as a corner, you kind of need that confidence. But um, then I had a chip. I was injured. I felt like I was six foot one corner, you know what I mean? And wasn't getting looks, didn't have an offer on on the board anywhere. Um, so, you know, I had a chip. I was confident. I had Titan pride. And, you know, it all came together in a good little gumbo pot for us. And now going into your college career, I guess that recruiting process a little bit. What made you end up going to junior college route first and then first and then you to go to Toledo? Yeah, man, that story is, that story is deep. You probably need a whole other hour to kind of go through a tit for tat. But um, in short, I, uh, I had the year I had. Um, I signed to Portland State. Portland, you know, December went through. I still didn't get a look. You know, I still didn't get a look. Highlight tape was crazy. I had eight interceptions, six for one, like I said, made plays, big hitter, um, cream of the crop, all city, all metro, all of that stuff was there. But I had no offers. Come January, to, uh, Coach Fontaine, Jamal Fontaine, now is a San Jose firefighter, I believe. Um, he was a he was a D, uh, D line coach, I think. He played at Washington out of Bishop O'Dowd or San Francisco City. Anyway, he came to Skyline. Sat down, watched my film. He was eating the whole time. Then he was distracted. So I didn't even feel like he was watching it. Then the next day, he called my coach, like, I need Bates. I need him on campus. So they offered me. Um, I went on a trip and I committed. Like, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, I didn't, I didn't know the process. My parents, my dad's a hunter and a fisher from Louisiana. My mom doesn't know anything about football. I didn't really have hella mentors like that. Um, so I committed. And as soon as I got that offer, Hawaii, Utah State, UNLV, slew of other teams came. A lot of Mountain West. I had all that Mountain West, a couple big skies. They offered. Um, I went on a trip. I went to San Jose State, went to Hawaii, uh, went to Portland State. Um, I went somewhere else. But anyway, I, I ended up I, – I was a man of my word. My dad raised me to be that way. I committed. I wanted to kind of go to Hawaii because Devon Best was there. I was my old teammate from line. You know, he was a monster by the end at Hawaii, so – but it's something in me I, I couldn't leave from that word. I gave a man my word the first week, my first visit, and I stuck with Portland State, which people kind of, man, they slaughtered me a little bit, man. You're going to a one double A school and you got all these D1 schools on you. Um, so that was that. But in the back of my head, I know that I wasn't all the way qualified um, to go. So I went to Oregon. I went up to Portland, was there three months, um, stayed in the dorms. And then um, I, my math class couldn't, couldn't peer, uh, clear. So I got sent home, man. He's like, go to junior college, come back in a couple of years. Coach Bean was like, hey, I'll get you, I'll get you power five, man. Come come here. So that was a natural transaction. Um, went to Laney, 
Uh, first year was a struggle for me, man. I came, I, I took some spots. First day, Frank Summers got the ball, big, big Frank the Tank. I whammed him, bow, hit him, knocked him over. Everybody was like, what the hell is going on? So, because um, nobody wanted to hit Frank. Like, but I'm like, man, I went to high school with Frank. Like, we, we, we compete. So, they put me in the starting lineup the next day. Um, and I was like three days in. This dude from Florida was starting for two years, and he quit the next, because I don't know, it, one of those deals. I had a struggle that year. The next year uh, was my year. Um, unfortunately, in 707 in the camp, colleges were all over me, drooling over me. I was in 707s and practices, pick sixing and just jumping up, uh, jamming people on the line. I got a pick one day, and I took it home, and I pulled my hamstring. Um, that sat me for six games. Came back, started the last six, got like three or four picks. Um, and that was that. Had a few schools, Texas A&M talking and, you know, but – San Jose State came around. Um, they offered me in high school, too. Um, coach Brent Brennan, um, the head coach there now, he recruited me heavy, came to the house, ate with the parents. I signed. Coach Dick told me he had the juice at the time. He had just won a bowl game, New Mexico Bowl. That was the first bowl game they won in hell long. Um, so, um, and I, you know, it was what it was. Signed there. Um, but I was one – I had a 3.3 at Laney, believe it or not, but I didn't have one math class. Um, I, got, I kept going in. I kept quitting. I kept dropping the class because I got scared. I was ter- I'm was i still terrible at math. I mean, the algebra expression, algebraic expressions and all that type of stuff. So kept dropping it when it got hard. So it came down to it. Hey, you signed. We'll put you in San Jose City College. Uh, went there, and I dropped out, man. I dropped out. I couldn't take – it was just too much stress going on, sleeping everywhere in San Jose. Couldn't really get a solid spot to live in the summer. It was just bad. Worked security for a year. Um Went to Merritt College, took statistics, passed it, got on the phone at that time. Man, I'm calling, hey, I'm, I'm finally good, coach. I'm finally good, coach. But I had lost the trust of so many schools across the nation, man, that they like, oh, this guy's not going to be ac- academically eligible. Then I said, all right, I'm just going to walk on to San Jose State, get, ex- get admittance, walk on. Um, sitting on my bed, I remember this day like, like, like it was yesterday. Sitting on my bed, head down, tears coming down my eyes. Like, man, how did I let it get this way? Um, put my phone down, it starts vibrating private. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm down there about to start crying out talking about it, man. Um, phone ringing, vibrating private. I'm like, man, who do I owe now? I probably had a credit card or two. I wasn't paying at the time. Picked up Joe Bates. I'm like, who is this? It's Coach Lufer from Portland State. I just took a job at Toledo, man. I uh, heard you call Oregon State. My buddy at Oregon State said you were looking for a school. He said, if you come out here, no games this time, man. Commit. If you want to, I need you to come out here and make a decision, man. Come, come with us. I was like, all right, man, I, I'll come. Where the hell is Toledo at? <laughs> Vermont? Or where, where, is, where is it at? So I got the ticket, man. Put me into Detroit. I didn't know what the hell. I, I was like, I thought you told me it was Ohio. Why am I flying into Detroit? Um, get off the plane, man. He was new out there. Ice and snow falling off the back of the truck. He's swerving on the freeway. Like, we're like, I don't know, man. And that's how that happened, man. I went. I didn't necessarily love it, but... I had been through so much at the time. I was like, I'm going to make this work. And I ended up, I ended up loving it. It's the best thing that ever happened to me in my life, man, going to Toledo. So I'm sorry for the long story, but that's how it happened in short. Oh, all good. What was it like playing like Division One football? I had a dream coming out of high school, man. Even since I was younger, man, I, I, I wanted to play in front of 100,000 people. That was my dream. It wasn't never the NFL. My dream was playing in front of 100,000 people. First game, um, I came in. Toledo had struggles at corner, DB, the year before. 
but they brought in a few corners. I ended up starting. Um, first game was at University of Arizona, which was electric. Um, chills running. I got chills on my arms right now. I don't know if y'all can see that through the through the screen, but man, it was electric. I had my mom drive out with my sister, my uh, brother-in-law, and one of my nephews. Um, and my God, I, I, it was everything I thought it would be. Everything I thought it would be. Fans going nuts talking trash. It was just a beautiful thing, man, about college football, man. And it was packed, a night game, but it was still 90 degrees in Arizona. <laughs> and I, the bugs out there were like birds. I, I don't know. I've seen people in the stands like swatting these big, giant bugs flying around. But anyway, it was beautiful, man. The competition was great. Um, they were huge, fast, but so were we. Um, and it, Division One football, man, is, is really just size and speed. But I feel like some D2 schools, D3 schools, NAIA schools have just as much talent, but they might not have that size and speed. Um, so that was pretty much it. And I think three weeks later, we played at Michigan. So my dream was met. Um, had a huge game there. And in my personal expectations, where it was a big game. I had like two tackles, um, a couple break. I had a breakup. Um, and I had a big play on special teams that pretty much set the tone for the fourth quarter. Um, national TV is on Big Ten Network. But believe it or not, though, the Arizona game was liver than that. It was more, like, intense. Not intense because the Michigan game came to the wire and we ended up winning, uh, which was huge for our city, our school, and, and just everything. But um, the noise level, the intensity uh, uh, of the fans and the atmosphere was a little more intense at Arizona. I think Michigan was a little – like, the, the dome or the, the stadium was, like, slanted a little more so that out. was that, man. Michigan was, was huge. I had a pretty decent – I mean, I, I gave up a touchdown or two. Um, Play Fresno State. That was a big game for us my first year. And uh, I ended up losing my starting job because, you know, it's politics in college, man. You mess up once or twice. Um, next best. Um, my senior year kind of came out. We played Colorado, FIU. Played some pretty good schools, man. And, um, and, you know, I was just more of a role player, special teams guy. I got a couple tackles that year. I ended with, like, only 10 tackles in college. But, you know, I was the intensity. I was, like, the hype man of the team. And, you know, it was a special teams guy. I was the number one special teams guy on the team. That was pretty much my college career, but I loved it. I mean, how are you guys able to beat such a big program like that in Michigan? Obviously, a lot of people are probably going to, especially a lot of people, at least in the Big Ten, are probably going to go in thinking, hey, this is, we're just playing another MAC team. We can get through this. This is another just easy Saturday for us non-conference. How are you guys able to get that win there, and why were you guys able to pull off such a big win? Man, I, uh, shout out to the offensive coordinators, man, and the D coordinators as well, man. We had uh, some tough guys, man. Barry Church, that's one of my one of my close buddies from from college, man. I just went to see him before the pandemic hit. Uh, when I was in Florida, we were neighbors, damn near. Um, so he did. He had a great game. He was a high profile guy. And, but Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, has some off the charts football players, man, and they pretty much got us um, through that victory. Also, Lance Moore. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Lance Moore from the, uh, the New Orleans Saints. Um, his young, he was a Toledo alum. His younger brother, Nick Moore, man, he had 20 catches that game. Um, so we were just dumping, man. We were dumping on him, dumping on him, dumping on him. Um, defense was holding him tight. They had a guy, uh, Mc, McGuffey or something like that. Um, he's like the number one running back white guy, but he was white chocolate, baby. Um, he, he really got down for him, man. He was like a, a big guy that we had to stop. So, um, it was just one of those deals, man. I was nervous coming into that game because I'm like, I'm hype. I don't care. I, I didn't grow up around hearing Michigan stories and Ohio State stories. I don't know what they – I just see them on TV from time to time, but I'm a West Coast guy. My teammates weren't that 
they didn't look intense, man. They were heads down, looked scared almost. But I'm bouncing around the locker room with headphones in. I'm ready to go, turned up. Um, so I'm like, damn, coming out, I didn't know. The first kickoff turned up, man. I, I laid a guy out um, on our sideline. And, man, we just we, – from there, it was our kicker, Alex Stagg, man, Staggerwalk. He got knocked in that game, winning field goal in the fourth quarter, man. And it, it was history from there, man. I got a lot of pictures from that game. Um, so we just caught them slipping, man. I think they had a bad year, had some injuries at Michigan. Rich Rod, I don't think they they didn't enjoy him too much in Michigan. Um, went to Arizona and did some decent. I, I, I've got some bad memories of Rich Rod. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, not too fond of him, man. His name's not to be said in Ann Arbor, but um, – yeah, we, we took advantage of just them being down, man. They didn't have a good year that year. Um, so that's pretty much how that happened. And uh, you had some big wins in college. You got to play at Toledo, make some big plays, lay the kid out. But a few years before that, you probably shouldn't have even been in that point where you were at. You had some just struggles going through high school and junior college to get there. Why weren't you ever able to quit and get through that process and become a Division One football player? Because a lot of people – It'd be hard not to blame them if you just kind of give up on their dream and their dream of playing college football, but you never did. You kind of – you still plugged away and still got that chance to play at the University of Toledo. Yeah, man, and uh, I kind of look back and, and, and pray – I mean, I, I have a different situation, and it's hard for me to sometimes talk to some of my kids, man, at Skyline, and I can't give them my experience and expect them to have the same exact grit because, yeah, I had a name coming out of high school. Um, I went into a lot of programs as the guy um, that people whispered about, like, oh, that's him. That's, that's the one they're talking about. Um, so I had that that luxury. But at the same time, I had exterior things going on, like me, my inability to, to pass math classes. So what really pushed me through was one opportunity. I, I had the opportunity to get on the phone and call people. I had the ability to converse with different coaches and, and have those conversations by myself I didn't need like hey coach can you call them or hey dad or mom can you call them they weren't they didn't they weren't going to do those things so I had the ability to do that and the opportunity to with the plays that I made on the field um, another thing was I was seeing a lot of guys that I felt at the time you know as a youngster and competitive young man that I was better than that were playing on tv Saturday um, so that pushed me through like all right if he's doing it if he went there I need to be here um, what do I, what does the process look like if I don't, if I didn't pass this class? So I just have to just really just hone into the process, man. Um, and later just found out that I, I love the sport. Um, and I didn't like the life. I didn't like sitting at Blackhawk, man. I was, I was working at Blackhawk in Danville, man. And this how I was kind of, I was kind of getting disrespected, man. And by some of the, the, the residents working at the gate, like, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't like where I was at. I wasn't comfortable just working security at a gate, which was, it's a great job. It was a great career, nothing against it, but I knew I had opportunities that could have took me to different opportunities that I would have been more comfortable in. So that drove me to finish. When I was working security, watching these guys on Saturdays, I said, all right, I need to do something to get to where everyone expects me to be and where I should personally feel like I should be. And then so after you finished at Toledo, what led you go to coaching? Uh, through my time at Toledo, man, even at Laney, honestly, uh, in that year off, Skyline football was, was on a down slope, uh, you know, and just kind of, I don't know. I think, honestly, I think my nephew, to be honest, I think my nephew, man, um, Antoine Custer Jr., he was at Dallas South for four years. 
I was more of a support role working, you know what I mean? I came back home, used my degree, working in some great little jobs, Youth Uprising, Fly Program. Um, and then I, I had the opportunity to go and watch him play. You know, I didn't coach, I wasn't playing, so I had that flexibility to watch him on Fridays. Um, so through that process, I started soaking in De La Salle, man. Like, what the heck are they doing over here that's so special that every year they're a top-tier program? So I'm soaking in everything. I'm asking my nephew questions. I'm popping up at practices. I'm, I'm listening to this, the outside things that they're doing that's not involving football. Like, I, like some of the, even some of them were around football, but they were kind of unorthodox in, in like a basic program. Like they got lunch brought to them at, at lunchtime and they're watching film, you know, um, different things like that. The AM weights, the brotherhood, everyone wearing the same socks, shorts, uh, and shirts. Um, expectations. I don't know. I just, I soaked that in and I'm like, man, like Skyline struggling. I got Toledo in my back pocket and what I learned there. I'm picking up tools from, from De La Salle. Like, let me see if I can sprinkle a little bit of this on uh, Skyline. But I didn't, Skyline wasn't my first job. I had went to uh, Castlemont first and I was just helping out because I worked next door. Um, I didn't coach the whole year, but I was kind of helping out a little bit coaching Ed Washington over there. And then the next year I went to Skyline as an assistant. Then year after that, I took the head coach job. Now going off that, who were and who are some of your mentors that have just helped you along the way to become the head coach that you are now? Um, believe it or not, and I reached out a few times, man. Um, I give a lot to the guy that gave me an opportunity to get a degree and learn a great program. Um, coach Greg Lufer, um, daughters are like first team All-American at a at Boise State, I think right now, senior girls basketball. Um, but he gave me the opportunity, and I told him once, I don't know if he registered it all the way, <laughs> but uh, I give a lot to him. Um, I learned a lot, and this guy is not a likable guy. I tell you that from the gate, but I, I, I took what I took from him um, because he had, the, he had the formula. He had the potion, but I don't think he was all the way connected to how he could have impacted other people too, but um, Tim Beckman. God treated kids terribly. I mean, that's how that's in the newspapers. That's that's in text. I think he got fired for for allegations, but you know, we well, we all went through it at Toledo as well. But what he did was he took Ohio State's program and he implemented it at Toledo, which Ohio State has Urban Meyer, which is which is a tremendous leader. Um, so I kind of give a little bit to Beckman for exposing me, but that was his job, so not necessarily me personally. Um, but Beckman and Lufer two guys that kind of gave me opportunities to really be better at what I'm doing today without really even knowing it. Um, people who kind of held my hand a little bit, um, my dad, you know what I mean? My dad, I could do no wrong with him, man, but he would tell me where I went wrong and, and, and praise um, just my work ethic. But, you know, I always had a crutch on him um, for just kind of like every time something went wrong, I just call him and he'll calm me down, man, and really start talking about his dad and hunting and fishing and like just simple things, man, that kind of like, hey, man, it's not that serious. You got another t chance. You're not arrested. You're not dead. So just keep going. Um, I, I honestly, a lot of coaches, to be honest, like, um, like I didn't check in with the people I probably should have. I didn't check in with Coach Beam. I didn't check in with Coach Uchi Umi or Stan Peters or Coach Kevin Evans, who's my senior year head coach. I didn't check in with those guys. So people like, this guy has no experience taking a head coaching job. Like, uh, what's going on there? But, you know, 
I don't know, I kind of was more so in, in, in tune with the community building, with the brotherhood building, with the program building, not more so with the X's and O's, which people wanted me to, to really hone into, uh, which I kind of got a little bit later. My first year, second year, I was really starting to get it a little bit. Beam told me one thing, it's a numbers game. He told me out on the phone, it's a numbers game, baby. Um, if you can get a good defense on that side and counter them on the other side. So I really took that in and really started drawing some stuff up around that. But um, really just community building, man. That's where I, I'm passionate about. If you can teach me leadership, John C. Maxwell, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, man, that book is magic to me. And Tim Beckman exposed us to that. Um, that book is a, is a secondary Bible to me. Um, I, I'm, in, I'm in love, and that's what I'm passionate about, that type of stuff. Leadership um, and, and just grooming leaders, man. That's pretty much that. And then speaking of Coach Beam, but pretty much the grandfather of Oakland football, we've seen what he's done at Laney College now and what he did at Skyline. What makes him such a special coach? And also, were you able to watch Last Chance U? And if you did, what did you think of that? And being able to just kind of shed a light on Oakland football and Coach Beam? Yeah, man, Coach Beam is a – he's obviously, man, has taken programs. And, and man, Skyline football was it, – it was close to undefeated when he took over with Coach Tony Fardella. So he had a great program. He was – great staff he was part of before he took over um, but he he's able to maintain and he's able to keep his connections and keep his connection to the community I think he understands the open I know he understands everyone knows he understands the open community by his results um, he understands what the kids are going through um, he's just a tremendous individual man that's able to hold young men to a standard that the community don't really hold them to but he's able to get the most out of them with motivation and, um, and bringing a team together to have that standard just stick, man. So he has magic. I call him a wizard. You know what I mean? When I, you know, I've <laughs> he's just a wizard, man. And he knows how to connect with our population in, in the city. And, and you know, obviously he can do that with any city with, with taking kids. I, I with last chance you, I did see it. Um, when I was at Laney, it was I would say probably 80% Oakland. Um, right now, I'll probably flip those statistics and say probably. 25, not 15% Oakland on that roster. Um, but, and he's still making magic. You know what I mean? He had a struggle year on that last chance you, but, you know, he obviously won the state championship um, the year before. So he's able to connect with whoever, man. His coaching is his X's and O's are crispy, man. His, his, his uh, team building um, experience is crispy, man. All of those years, 40 years of experience, man, and, and being effective championship coach for all of those years, damn near. Um, that's something to learn for him. And that, that's one of my biggest downfalls, man. I, didn't, I haven't been connecting with him like I should be with him being right there. He lives like literally probably half a mile from Skyline. Um, he pops up a lot. You know, we talk, but I need to go sit in his office more, man. Like, you know, he's been telling me to, like, hey, come talk to me, brother. Come on, brother. Uh, so I'm like, all right, all right, coach. Yeah, I got to get on it, man. And then let's talk about your team now. You guys went nine and three last year, went to the Silver Bowl. What's made you guys so successful as you started this program up again? Um, like I said before, man, in 16 when I took over, man, I didn't know X's and O's like that, man. I just was a college football player. I knew my defensive back, my back seven stuff. Um, offensively, I didn't know. I was just, hey, you want a job? Hey, you played at Clark Atlanta. You want to uh, be the OC? Come on, let's do it. Uh, you want to be DC? Come on, let's do it. Let's get some good people. I started learning that that wasn't always the – that's not the, the best route to go uh, go when you're doing this. Um, took over the next – or the next year I had a 2017 year. We did a little better, man. We are more competitive. Um, started figuring stuff out. Took a year off, and I stepped back like, all right, this is that, and that is this. 
came back. Still, I'm still. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna be perfect. Every, you know, 90 years old, I still want to be learning. But uh, I think that we really, we really got, like, we got the camping trip, man. We took the boys to Santa Cruz. We got grounded. We got the expectations. We got the the culture really sank in. Like, the, not, nothing against the coach that was there last year, Coach Siding. He's a great guy. Um, but he took over something that, like, I dropped it and I didn't really give him all the tools to, like, really be successful. He had to really scrape up that program. And, um, so what we did, we just got grounded, man. We stripped them from everything, man. We stripped them from um, how they had a three, how they how they uh, facilitated a three-point stance. What was their football position um, on a football level? Um, you know, what was the X? What was the Z? Y? Fullback, halfback? How many yards you're at? Like, just the baseline things, man. Um, uh, where are your eyes? Like, just baseline things. We stripped them of everything they knew before. We said it was wrong. Um, and then we just gave them the baseline, um, um, just teach progression. And um, it, it had worked out for us. But what we did first and foremost was, was build that family. Um, we had to build the family first, man. Some of those kids didn't like each other before the camping trip. And at the end of the camping trip, they're all hugging, uh, laughing, locking arms. Like, it was magical, man. And uh, what we did last year – it was nothing special in terms of what we did on the field in in, in the realm of X's and O's or or just uh, schemes and stuff like that. It was nothing special. And it, and it kind of got exposed with McClymonds and, and Intonale a little bit. But um, we won that game on brother. We won those games on, in brotherhood and unity and love and trust for one another, man, and belief. Those kids believe. Um, and the city's kind of – they still count us out a little bit, man. Skyline, they're trash. That's why I love this press with you guys, man, to kind of get a, get our name out there and what we're really doing. They don't like – some of these kids in Oakland hadn't been to Skyline, man. It's up in the hill, and they don't know what's going on. The parents don't know. I'm not on social media as much as – I wasn't as much as I am this year and last year a little bit. So people in the community don't know what we got going on up there before now. So they're just no McClymonds. They're on the news. They win the state championships. They got a, a JV coach that's blasting on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook all day, and they're all in the parent group. So they do a good job of marketing. So all they know is 94 to nothing Skyline or McClymonds beating Skyline. That's all they know. So every time someone, I'm going to Skyline, don't do that. Don't do that. They're trash. And now you're not going to get a scholarship out of there. You're not going to uh, – terrible program. So I, that hurts me, man, to the core. And I still see it, man. I seen a post the other day and seen that, man. And I'm like, wow, you guys really don't know. We're really not educated on what's going on up here. Like, did you, did you know what, like, happened in the last – between when I took over, there were one in ten versus where we're at now, like, and how many guys that we got in college now, which is, you know, it's not a million, but it's the equivalent, if not more, than pretty much all the other open schools. Um, so um, I'm, I'm just – I'm kind of at the point where now we got some great things going for year four, Coach Bates year four at the, at the helm and around and And I'm excited, man. We turn the program up. Just know that we're turning the program up. I can explain more later if you got another question for it, but um, we're turning it up even more, man. And the kids are amped. We're amped. I think a lot of the community and alumni are turned up too, so we're ready to go. And winning nine games is really impressive going from one win one year couple of years later, you get to nine wins. But what's more impressive and what more people should know about is what you guys are doing academically. You haven't lost a single player to grades in the first three years there. It doesn't matter where you are. That, that's a really freaking hard feat to accomplish. How have you guys been able to do that and not lose a single player to grades and be so successful in the classroom? Well, well it's an awesome accomplishment, right? Um, 
but I must say that, it, that that's on the varsity level. I, I, I have been – one of my downfalls as a head coach is maintaining a great uh, – equally great or, or, or a decent JV program. So some of my JV kids – I've never lost a varsity player to grade. I, I maintain at least 30, 30 a year on varsity. We, we hold steady. Um, but JV, man, I've, I've lost probably in total probably eight kids in those three years, and, and it, pretty, it hurts. But um, now we got some moves that we made that, that we're locked in now. But um, what we do is we set the standard. And, and, and our success comes from a lot of motivation. We, we have to. With these kids, we have to motivate daily. Like right now it's tough because I can't see them. They can't feel the energy. But group chats are, are lit up with, with, with motivational stuff every day. After practice, every single day, we, I, I as the head coach and we as the coaching staff, we had to figure out ways to motivate them Monday, Tuesday. Or, hey, oh, I just seen a tweet, man, Skyline's going to lose by 15 points this week, man. And I, and, and I just read it. And how does that make y'all feel? You know, and I just kind of go through that dialogue with them, man. And, and just we had to motivate them with something every, every day. So with, that was similar with academics. Um, I had to kind of give the stories, man. Uh, of my experiences and the coaches giving them their experiences and how relationship building was so important. I tell them real quick that um, I was at Toledo and I sat in the first row every single day. I had a, I had a, a composition book full of notes. It was a macro, uh, no, it was astronomy. It was astronomy. So I, I failed all the tests. So at the end of the uh, semester, I had an F. So I emailed the teacher. I said, hey, is there anything? I, you know, I apologize for my performance, man. It was on me. I earned that. But anything I can do to make that that F into a D, just so I can, you know, keep the credits and, and move on. And um, he said, "Man, you've been sitting in the front row every day. You've been five minutes early every day, and you take notes, and you're so respectful." He said, "Do do this. Uh, do a one-page paper, double space on this some uh, spaceship that went up for a test run or whatever." Man, I turned that in. And he gave me a B. Man, I I, I shed it. I I shed some tears that day, man. And, and that made me a believer that relationships and hard work, and no matter what the result is, if you kind of show that character, man, and it could work out for you. Not every time, but so I tell that story every year. Um, I motivate them. I, I, I just kind of keep trying to tell them different stories. Also, just those baseline standards, sit in the first two rows, uh, be respectful, be on time. Titan time is, is one minute before the class bell rings because I, I can't do five or ten minutes like Toledo because you got such a gap between classes. But at Skyline, I think they give like six minutes to get from one A to B. It's a college-style campus, so it's so big. So one minute is Titan time at, at school. Um, get there a minute before, communicate, sit in the first two rows, and take dang notes. Um, if you do those things, um, you should be in position to at least get a C. Um, and then, you know, of course, with this Living a Dream program, we, uh, we have the new follow-up procedures and stuff. So um, it works out for us, man, and especially the first marking period, man. We, we're jumping 3.0s, and, you know, because the first, you know, it's pretty easy, that first marking period, but we're, we're like a team GPA over 3.0. Then it kind of trickles down after the season stuff a little bit, but, you know, that's pretty much the formula, man, just giving them, getting them to believe. You get an Oakland kid to believe in something, and, oh, my God, man, you got something, you got something special because um, he got the natural grit and toughness and, and just uh, ability that just need the belief, man. That's just all I try to give them. And a plug for, I guess a shameless plug for us, but more so a plug for you guys. If you haven't already, go to westcoastpreps.com. Check out that story about the Living the Dream program that Skyline has started and how they are giving back and the opportunities they are creating for students. And you'll see more of what's made them so successful in the classroom. Obviously, nine-one seasons are huge, but I was a single player to grades. 
uh, new program they're launching. Be sure to check that story out. It just came out Sunday. I know Coach Bates shared a little bit, but make sure if you haven't already, check that out and see more of what Coach Bates is talking about. But another thing for you, I know last time we talked, you said this team could be even more special than when you were a player there at Skyline, which says a lot about how good your program has become. What makes you say that this team could be better than the ones that you played for? Simply because of the hunger or the hunger um, and line, man. I got a line that's that's massive. I got a line that's massive and they're quiet, quiet be kept. Nobody knows about these kids. Um, I mean, they know about them if you're in the city, but no, like the, some of these kids ain't played in two years, but they're six foot four, um, 300 and strong and mean, you know what I mean? So like uh, they, they just, they're tapped in. And then I got athletes, super athletes behind them. That's that's not the Pop Warner All-American guy that the, the whole city knew about. Um, I got a three-headed monster at running back. I got a wide receiver that's been scoring touchdowns. Um, his eighth grade year coming in ninth grade summer. Um, we took him to Pittsburgh. My star player couldn't make it. This guy's running routes on Jordan Parker, the guy at uh, Oklahoma uh, from Pittsburgh High, and, and he scored our only touchdown as an eighth grader. So now he's a senior, um, and he's a super stud, man. Short guy. I don't know his college. Uh, uh, I don't know his college plans um, all the way, but you know he he's a scorer for us. So like, I got guys everywhere. Our defensive backfield is is, is deeper than it's ever been. Um, we're in a four-two-five. So we uh, last year we kind of had a three-four look. Uh, with five two principles, but um, so we had more backers, but now we we kind of only need two good stud backers, and we got four that can play. So we're loaded pretty much everywhere. DN, we're kind of thin, but um, I just got talent, man, that I've never seen holistically. Even when I was up at Skyline, the, the Coach Beams, uh, the year before he left, the Devon Best year, that was loaded. That, they were loaded. I haven't seen when I say that I meant my year, my senior year. Um, we didn't have as much talent all the way around as we do now. Um, we just got to piece it up, man, and, and get it done. Get it done. We just got to get it done, man. I got to get a state championship for the alumni, for these kids, too, for the coaches, because a lot of my coaches, they played at Skyline, but none of them won a Silver Bowl. Um, so we need a Silver Bowl for them, a state championship for them. But more, most importantly, I want it for Frank Summers. I want it for Devon Best, Barry, uh, Brandon Bonds, Brandon Sanders, like all of those guys. I want uh, Theotis Brown back in the 70s that played for the Steelers and all of uh, Kansas City. Um, those guys deserve what they would have gotten uh, 10 times or more if they had the ability to. So um, they need a state championship. That's what we need to get. So that's that's the goal, that and to graduate all my seniors and for them to get a brotherhood to last a lifetime. And that's our three goals right now. And what you guys are doing has been amazing, especially with the Living and Dream program. And the talent on the field is obviously on the come up with nine and three and you know, hopefully uh, another chance this year in January with, when the games do eventually begin. I mean, yeah, I think we saw Darius at that exclusive speech yeah. showcase, man, just ripping his shirt out, ripping his body up left and right. I think that was pretty much the perfect example of what Skyline football has become. Just absolutely dominant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited, man. Living the Dream program is awesome. Youth Together is awesome, man. Tony D., um, he's, he's been a mentor for me as of recent, man, on a professional level. He's a Skyline alum, too. I, I was a young guy watching him. But um, they're also a part of the academics, that success, man. They held some study hall every year. Um, youth Together held study hall and provided tutors um, and support staff every year. They've even brought on a full, uh, not a full-time, but a part-time uh, uh, living a dream program only tutor. 
um, also who's also alumni, Baron Maul, Cal Berkeley, got a full ride, uh, tall Asian guy, man. You probably never seen a uh, probably Yao Ming size, uh, played offensive line, went to Cal Berkeley, man, and, and did his thing near two out of the beam era. Um, but he's our tutor and also our assistant D-line coach, man. So um, we got resources, man, and um, put together is a, lot, a big thanks to the success we had. And uh, we're excited, man. There's some big things coming for sure. Now let's get into some more fun questions for you, something that we've asked everybody. We've got some pretty good responses on this one. Let's see if you beat everybody out. First <laughs> off, favorite ever home-cooked meal? Favorite ever home-cooked meal? Um, I would say uh, – Succotash, man. A little Creole succotash, though. It's a difference. Okay. All right. So we got wings so far. We got steak and baked potato, not mash. Yeah, Giles goes with the mash. baked potato, not the mash, though. I don't know. I, I think I need the mashed potatoes on there. Loaded. I'm not putting it on the, on the baked. <laughs> Loaded mashed potatoes is my favorite. Yeah, there you go. Loaded yeah. mashed potatoes. Okay. See, so Coach Bates – Beats out Giles just for his food selection, just because. Right on. What was your favorite video game growing up? Man, I would have to say uh, Need for Speed. Man, uh, I would have to say Need for Speed. Man, that that game actually taught me how to drive. Believe it or not. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You driving on the wrong side of the road, and the <laughs> anybody you want to call out that tried to teach you to drive that wasn't good, or you want to keep those names private? <laughs> no, man. I, it, uh, yeah, my I mean, my brother was trash. He was just doing donuts. He was a part of that uh, sideshow Oakland era, man. And I, I, I learned some stuff from him too, but I ain't gonna blast him too hard. But uh, yeah, yeah, Need for Speed though, definitely a uh, favorite game and. I tried to go like 120 miles an hour in a game and stay between the lines, you know what I mean? But it, you know, of course, work out like that. All the time. Yeah, no, that was definitely one of my favorite games though. Growing up, what was it Need for Speed Underground? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love those games. They crank that up again on the PlayStation and play those later. I know, right? That's some good yeah, go heck, heck, that. with, heck with the NBA playoffs unless it's Dame. I'm we're cranking a Need right. for Speed tonight. Okay. And then, what about <laughs> favorite athlete growing up? Favorite athlete growing growing up, um, my mom and dad grew up right down the street from LSU, um, so I, I always took to them. Uh, Kevin Kevin Falk um, was my favorite uh, player growing up. He played for the Patriots, won a bunch with with Tom Brady, but um, yeah. So Kevin Falk, pretty much. And then I had a like, I had a taste, a like for uh, uh, Warwick Dunn, just because he was from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Played at, at Florida State, but I think it was Florida State. But work done was a favorite too. But Kevin Falk, number one for sure. I love that Kevin Falk pick. Uh, oh, don't get, don't get Greg started. Do not get Greg started on the Patriots. We'll be here for another five hours. Oh, that's fine. Let's <laughs> no, start talking. I don't about think it. I have the mental capacity to deal with the Patriots for another five. Oh, wait, hours. I see a jersey in the background of Randy Moss Patriots, right? Yep, Randy Moss. That was my first ever jersey right there. Was that all right? I won't take him near my fault, my fault, Chris. I, you know, I, I just have bad memories because of that Raiders year with Randy Moss. Got, got some bad memories of uh, yeah. How that th of course, that's been the last 20 years for the Raiders, but let's not get any of us started on kind of what's been going on there. But And then another thing you mentioned, Coach Matt Ressi from Montevista really wanted to get revenge after you guys beat him in high school. You got, any, you got a message for Coach Ressi here to tell him? 
Man, hey, I know you got it going over there in Monta Vista now, man. I seen the Jordan jerseys on your Instagram, man. I'm, I'm not going to speak on that. I'm a little jealous. But, you know, give me another year or so. Next year, 2022, let's get it going, baby. I think they got McClymouth this year, so I, he, I think he probably going to – he might take it out on them. Probably going to take it out on them. He might be good by next year. But if he still if he still want a little action, then we can get at it 2022 season. <laughs> 2021 season. Well, it looks okay. like we'll get that game. That's our game of the week. No voting that week. I think we've already picked our game, whatever. September 14th, 13th. I don't know what day that would be. <laughs> get it. But there we go. Let's get I'm it. Looking forward to that game for sure. That'll be a fun one. Right on. Yeah. Definitely okay. will be. Oh, yeah. two, two, red, two red teams going at it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's been a while. Oh, my goodness. I remember when you guys played Monta Vista back in the day and watching you guys win. Can't yeah. believe that was, what, 16 years ago already? Oh, man, 2004, yeah. Yep, 16 years. Wow. Oh, my God. Yikes. Yeah, I seen on, on your guys' article, one of the boys said he's a father figure. I said, oh, damn, I'm getting old. I'm def definitely getting old. I was like a big brother and an uncle in my first couple of years coaching. <laughs> now I'm a father figure. All right. That's all good. <laughs> It's bad sometimes. It's it's really nice when a kid calls you sir and calls us sir, but it just kind of makes you feel old. It's just like, right. man, our college days and high school days already beyond us. Yeah. I'm like, wait, I'm only 22. I'm not really a sir yet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's so painful. I hear you. But yeah, I think that that's all we got for you, Coach Bates. We really appreciate you taking the time to join our podcast, doing great things up at Skyline. Everybody be sure to follow along what Coach Joe Bates and the Skyline Titans are doing. They've reawoken the, the sleeping giant there at Skyline. Excited to watch them compete for a state title here soon. But with that, that does it for the sixth ever edition of the West Coast Preps podcast. Be sure to follow along our work at westcoastpreps.com. You can sign up for our newsletter there as well that comes out every Monday and Thursday. Also, subscribe to our YouTube page and follow us on social media at West Coast Preps on our store.